I thought it was kind of interesting. But we never can prove. And then the word that just popped out, words, the delights of his love. Until all on the altar we lay. For the favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for all who will trust and obey. And handling, handling, handling this delicately, if you read your Bible, you know the delights that are referred to in the Song of Solomon. The delights, that intimate fellowship that Christ has, well, in Song of Solomon, that the groom had with his bride. And we talk about the intimacy that we can have with our Savior. And, and it struck me when we were singing that, last, that fourth verse, we never can prove the delights of his love. And it talks about the favors he shows and the joy he bestows. But it says, until all... On the altar we lay. And it struck me was seeing that, you know, in a marital relationship and the intimate times that married couples enjoy, again, delicately, if there's ever any distrust or if there's ever any schism, if you want to put it that way, that comes in between you and your spouse the delights and the favors and the joy seems to be damaged, hurts, uh, come and, and that intimacy is gone until, until, it's, until we fix things, right? You know, <laughs> when you lay in the bed cheek to cheek and it's not this cheek <laughs> that we're talking about, you're in there like this. For two or three nights. And you lay there and you're all puffed up. Some, something's wrong there. There's no delights. There's no joy. There's no favor. But when you get that problem worked out, it's restored. And sometimes when we want to have that close walk with the Lord, again, this is... We need to examine ourselves. What's wrong? We can have a closeness with our Lord and Savior. And if we don't, there might be something wrong. And so we just need some checking up. Now that's our sermonette for this evening. Now we're going to be in Genesis. <laughs> Genesis chapter number 11. And again, Brother Glenn was just bouncing around it this morning. I'm like, wow. Using Abraham, Abram, Abraham as an example in his, his lesson. And again, I just, I have scripture. But I have some thoughts in these scriptures and some things that just stood out to me as I was looking over each of these situations. I was in a conversation this last week and... A phrase was used about being on a spiritual quest, and I from it just stuck in my heart all week, and I've been musing upon that journey and that quest from that conversation that I had, and I just couldn't get away from it. 
And so knowing that Brother Hodnett was going to be preaching this morning and we were at that place on our Sunday night that we're making that transition, it really worked out. Uh, and I began thinking about, of course, Abram and Abraham is the obvious example in the Word of God who sought, he, he launched out. And we'll see this in the Scripture, especially here in Hebrews, uh, by faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into a place. So he began this journey. And we're going to read the Scripture itself here in just a minute. But then I begin to, to think about other characters in the Word of God, individuals in the Word of God that also sought something spiritually and went places seeking that. And a couple of other, like I said, individuals come to mind. We're going to look at three of them tonight. Abram being the first one, uh, Cornelius in Acts chapter 10 being the second one, and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8 being the third one. Uh, and then some things that hold true to all three, and uh, and just like I said, just uh, some thoughts that uh, that I'm seeing this based on spiritual quest. So we see this in these three, uh, Genesis chapter twelve. Okay, back up. Let's go ahead and Genesis chapter eleven. We're going to grab thirty-one through thirty-two because of a single word that we read in chapter twelve, verse one. So let's read Genesis 11, 31 and 32, and 12, 1 through 4. And Terah took Abram his son, and Lot the son of Haran, his son's son, and Sarai his daughter-in-law, the son of Abram's, his, or the daughter-in-law his son Abram's wife, and they went forth with them from Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan, <clears throat> And they came unto Haran and dwelt there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord had, had, key word there, had said. So he didn't just go, the Lord said. So the call for Abram to leave apparently because of the word had in our King James Bibles, had already come to Abram, even though you don't see it in chapter 11. You just see them moving here at the last part of, the, of chapter 11, but you don't hear of what the call had come, the call that had come to Abram until chapter 12, verse 1. And if you have a Schofield Bible or some other study Bibles, would probably have a little note. I know the Schofield has a note. There above 31, it says, Incomplete obedience, the wasted years at Haran. And, and I'm like, when I was reading just the, the text of the scriptures, I said, where do they get that? I've heard it preached in, in my lifetime, but I'm like, where? But then when I went read verse 1 of chapter 12, the word had is where they get it. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee 
and curse him that curseth thee. Key words right here. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank and praise you, Lord, for the day and the good day that we've had, even in, 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 even in our conference, Lord, and the things that were accomplished there. We praise you for that. Pray and ask that you guide and direct the services in the message tonight. I thank you, Lord, for uh, the privilege of prayer, allowing us to approach you. And I'm asking and praying that you'll help me as I stand with utterance and boldness, Lord, mainly utterance, Lord. And I pray that you would just give me, help to come out what's in my heart. I pray for Brother Glenn as he goes through the test. Again, that if there is a problem, that it will show up. And if there's not a problem, that you would just take the pain and relief, or give him relief in the pain. And uh, Lord, help him to figure out maybe what was causing it. But Lord, just give him the help and grace even now. And we'll thank you and praise you for it. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. So Abram, now the wasted years, like Mr. Schofield put in his notes there, he left, but he left with his daddy. Now the call came to Abram apparently based on chapter 12, verse number 1. He had said to Abram to get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house. So if he got out of father's house, does that not mean leave father behind? But what happened? It said Terah. It didn't say Abram got up and left with his daddy, but apparently daddy was a pretty good, strong influence in Abram's life obviously, and he went, it says, and Terah took Abram, his son. So imagine, you know, he kind of could have something like this. Abram went to Terah and said, uh, time for me to go, Dad. Where are you going? Well, uh, God said that I'm going to leave uh, this country and your house, and I'm going to go into a land that God's going to show me. So there's no really place to go. He said, no, well, you know, you're, you're silly. I'm the 200 and some odd year old father. <laughs> Obviously, I need to go with you since you don't know where you're going and what direction you're headed to. Anyway, whatever transpired there, Tara shouldn't have gone because what wound up happening is they got as far as Heron and they dwelt there. And dwelling means you stop. You, you, you anchor in. And oftentimes in journeyings, we get stuck, <laughs> and it's not exactly where we ought to be in our journeys. And, and there's times in our, in, our Christ, in, our, in our spiritual walk, if you want to put it that way, our quest, our journey, and I, and I, you know, I have had my sidetracks where I've gotten off the path. If anybody, I know Sister Sherry had, had taken, she, I think she wound up, closing her eyes more than she did reading one time. <laughs> she drove with us to Miss Sunday or whatever. She had with her Pilgrim's Progress, I think it was, to read it again, she said. And anybody that's ever read Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan, there is an analogy of the main character, Christian, who goes through this journey, who had heard the evangelist, and that was the character's name, heard the evangelist, you know, and then based on what the evangelist said, began his quest. And, of course, he had to go by Calvary. There was where the burden was rolled away. But beyond Calvary, as he pairs up with, let's see, Christian and, was it Faithful? 
Christian somebody. He pairs up with several different people along the walk, but there's times that he's tempted to get off the path. And I have to stand and testify that I have gotten off the path. That's why I'm not in, probably why I'm not in Scotland today. But there's lots of other things too, and hindsight being 2020, God in his graciousness didn't put me on the shelf. Well, he might have for a little while. <laughs> and fix some things in me. And then when it was time to come, he okay, you're ready to be used again. And he pulled me off the shelf, and here I am. But it was because of sidetrack. I got sidetracked. One of the ways that I put it, like the, te- oh, the Old Testament story about the, uh, the man of God listening to the old prophet. God said, this is where I want you to go. I want you to go, this is what I want you to do, and I don't want you to go back the same way you went. I want you to go a different way. I don't want you to turn into nobody, and I'm paraphrasing, and I don't want you to eat nothing. I, I, this is what I want you to do. But the old prophet came out. Now he's an old prophet, right? So he had been in the office of a prophet. But the man of God... The young man of God listened to the old prophet instead of staying true to what God had told him to do. And he wound up dying. And was it a lion? Yeah, the lion killed him. And, they, they, and he, was, he was dead and there was a lion there and the donkey standing there. The lion didn't rend the donkey. They were standing there in the way. But that's basically why I listened to an old prophet. And I got sidetracked. And we can do that. And apparently Abram did that. He listened to daddy or whatever. He took dad with him instead of getting out, like God said, leave thy father's house and go. And I'll show you where you're headed, right? That's right. So now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make thee make of thee a, na- a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed, as finally... <laughs> As the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him, and Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. So he, he had left Ur, got as far as, as Haran, dwelt there, dad died. There was that weight, which does so easy to be said. Whatever, for whatever reason, Terah went, he wasn't supposed to, but he did, and they dwelt in Haran. We'll understand it better by and by. When we sit down with Abraham, say, Abraham, what was it there with your daddy back there? <laughs> How did that transpire? Verse 31 and 32. Oh, let me tell you. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. And this is the faith chapter as we know it. The hall of faith. And as we look at Abram here in verse number 
8. By faith, Abraham, his name has been changed, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in, a land of, in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Note the difference. He dwelt in Haran. He sojourned in that country. He was still looking for a city. And he said he dwelt in tabernacles. That's intense. That doesn't have a foundation. The foundations that he was looking for was one laid by, <clears throat> by God. A city whose foundations, uh, let's see, uh, uh, a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker of God. But until he found that city, he was going to dwell in tents. In other words, he's going to be able to pick up and go and move. He was still looking. He wasn't settled. And that's key to know. And then thirdly, passage of Scripture we'll look at here is Galatians chapter 3. And I've seen something in it that I've never seen before until today. Just, you know, one of those that you kind of read over. But when you slow down, you say, oh, look at that. Genesis or Galatians chapter 3. Let's speak up in verse 1. I'm mainly going to focus verses 5 through 9, but it kind of set the context. Paul, writing, this is a, an epistle, a letter to the Galatian church. They had some issues. <laughs> Most of Paul's letter dealt with some issues in these churches. <clears throat> and so they were still stuck in Judaism, still wanted to follow the law, still had some, some teachings going along on that way. So he's dealing with that old foolish Galatians. Who hath bewitched you? that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you. This only would I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith. Now we're getting ready to go into this study on the Spirit on Wednesday nights. Brother Glenn mentioned it this morning in his Sunday school. The Spirit as a person and the Spirit's work in men's hearts. And he's asking them, look, how did you receive the Spirit, Galatia? Church at Galatia, how did you receive the Spirit? Was it by works or was it something that you did or was it by faith? Are ye so foolish? Having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect in the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? If it be in vain, if it be yet in vain. He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? So which is it? Is it works or faith? And then he deals with, he gives Abraham as an example. This is before the law. And I like that. I like when Paul, in lots of his writings, skips Moses and goes back to the beginning, before the law. 
Abraham's our father. Okay, we're going to deal with it that way. And I like that about Paul. Because he goes back to the beginning and, it, and Abraham didn't have the Ten Commandments on a tablet. Abraham was told and he obeyed. Abraham was told something, given a promise, and he believed. And Abraham was tested and his works, he was justified. So he obeyed, he, he believed, but he was justified in his works. But the belief part is where I'm going to get to, and we see that right here in Galatians chapter 3. So number six, even as Abraham believed, there's the word, God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Know ye therefore, that's faith, that goes that belief there, goes back to the faith he's dealing with prior to this of works and faith. Which is it? He says, go back to Abraham before the law. What, what, how did he gain righteousness? He believed God. Even, even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him, uh, to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing, there's that foreknowledge of God, and the scripture putting it in prophecy form and in the scripture form looking ahead foreseeing, and the scripture foreseeing that God would justify who? The heathen. Woo! Hallelujah. That's me. That's Galatia. That's the Gentiles. Foreseeing way on past Calvary. Through the law. Through the law, past Calvary. Foreseeing that he was going to justify the heathen through faith. That's how we get justified. Preached before... What? Wait a minute. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham. So the, Abraham had the gospel? Did I read that back here in Genesis? You know, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the gospel? And I like how he puts it here. We did read it in Genesis. Because it's right here in Galatians. Here was the gospel to Abraham. He preached unto Abraham the gospel before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Okay, bringing it back to our way of studying the scriptures. Let's bring it on down. One, who is he writing to? The church at Galatia. Two, are Galatians Gentiles? Yes, and that's the heathen, okay? Three, it's before, like he was pointed out, it's before the law, so he had to go, as he preached, he had to go way through the law, all the way beyond Calvary, and Abraham seen that in the fact that he promised him what? That all nations be blessed, in Abraham. And we've seen that back here in Genesis chapter 12 um, and verse number 3. And I will bless them that bless thee and, the, and curse them that curses thee. Here, and colon. And in thee shall all families of the 
earth be blessed. That included the heathen. And again, at this time in Abram's life, Abram was a heathen in a sense, which was one of the things that I've heard preached, and I guess, you know, that that one of the things that uh, kept Abram back was that he took Terah with him, and Terah was probably still an idol worshiper. And then, and there was no Jew until Abram was called, and in and in and and the promise was made, and then the 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 uh, the Hebrew nation was birthed out of the loins of Abraham, Abram, and Abraham. So, so really, and we sing Amazing Grace tonight, and I couldn't help but to see the grace of God in all that. We so seen in just a couple of chapters prior to chapter eleven and twelve here in Genesis that Noah found grace in the eyes of God, and God spared Noah and his family. But then we go through that lineage from Noah to Abraham. This one beget this one. This one beget this one, and they live so many hundred years, and they beget and they beget and they beget and they beget. Boom! We got Abraham, Abram. And then there was a, 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 an effectual call of grace, if you want to put it that way, not being Calvinistic. But there was a call on Abraham's life. And it goes back to that call. God said Abraham, or Abram, <clears throat> the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out. There was the call. Abram, this is what I want you to do. And in our journey, most people can testify of our journey and our quest, sometimes like Abram, we wasn't looking for God. <laughs> we were just living with our wife, Sarai down there in the land of Ur, worshiping our gods or our little idols in daddy's house probably. You read that, so it's kind of weird, but you know, it was... That, that time of the world, after the flood. So Terah had three sons. One of them died. Abram married Sarai, and the other married the, the dead son's daughter, his niece. That's the way I read it. And then the dead son's son, Lot, paired up and went along with Terah and Abraham when they left, Abram when they left. So God told him just out of nowhere. He come to Abram. And that is a call. He called Abram and said, go. And then we read in another passage of Scripture talking about Israel, which are Abram's, Abraham's seed. Why did I call you? There wasn't nothing special about you. There was nothing in thee that that merited, and I'm paraphrasing, merited my grace and my love that I have put toward you as a nation. And that's grace. And grace is amazing. <laughs> it's just grace. I look back at my, and some of you had some, well, about everybody in here, maybe not everybody, but I've heard stories about your all's families here in, in the last three years, a little here and a little there. And I'm going, wow, 
dysfunctional home. My parents married, had me and my brother. They divorced when I was five. My mom remarried pretty quick. My dad took a few years. He remarried. Uh, so my mom, or my, my dad remarried a woman that had two kids. And my mom had a, a daughter with my first stepdad. And then my dad had a daughter with my stepmom three years on the birthday of my first half-sister. Anyway, and then my mom divorced and then married a man that had four kids and then divorced him. And then when she divorced him, she realized that he hadn't got a divorce from his first wife when they got married. Okay, so when you put it out like that, you're going, no wonder you're so messed up. <laughs> and I know some of you have similar stories. But that being said, or more messed up stories than that. But when you just lay it all out like that, you're going, wow. You know, and it just sounds so... It, it definitely for my children and to my wife, whose parents have today been married 56 years. That's, that solidity, that example... And you say, the love. And so they have been a blessing to me and as an example in that. And in my children, you know, although I've had one that had a little hiccup along the, those same type of lines, but for the most part, my children, as far as me and their mama, we've been married 35 years, 36 years in April. And again, they have had a solid home. Love shown in the home, we haven't had a lot, but they, we had to love. And we did things. You know, and then they get out and they see what's out there, and it messes them up. But all that being said, for all those that have been come from a background similar to mine or worse, when God, in His mercy, decided to pass by our way, with that call to salvation. It is grace. That's exactly right. It's just grace. Why? I oftentimes, why me? Why did you pass by my way? Not, not only one time that I ignored and fought against, the second time that I ignored and fought against, but a third time you passed by me and you drew me unto you. <laughs> I don't understand it. <laughs> Like that song on w, WSOF, they, they used to play it more than they do now. It's a little, it's one of those songs with the recitation, John three sixteen. I don't understand it, but it sure does make a, a cold boy warm, a hungry boy fed. I, I don't understand it, but it sure makes a lost boy saved. I don't understand John three sixteen that God so loved Douglas Bell that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in that if Doug Bell should believe in him, he should not perish but have everlasting life. Bring it down personally. I don't understand it, but it happened. In his grace, he come by my way, not looking for him. It didn't say, now we're going to see a little difference in the next two characters, 
But Abraham, it doesn't say anything about him seeking God. It doesn't say anything about anything like that. It's just that God came to him in grace and favor and said, Abraham, I am going to make of thee, I will bless thee, I will make of thee a great nation, I will bless thee, and I will make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So, in, in, in Abraham believed what was what his faith that was counted unto him for righteousness. It wasn't the fact that God stayed His hand when He was offering up Isaac to sacrifice. That was justification by His works that proved His faith. It wasn't. It wasn't anything that Abraham did. It was the fact that. Somehow, some way, when God said, all the families of the earth will be blessed in your seed, that included the heathen. <laughs> and that was a gospel message that came to Abraham according to Galatians. It went all the way, and Abraham believed, and in believing that eventually in his seed, and as we read through the Old Testament, we see the promise, we've seen it back in Genesis chapter 3, that the seed through the woman was going to bruise serpent's head, and that was the first promise of the Messiah, and it was going to come through Abraham's seed. He believed that, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So who was he believing in? Jesus Christ. Because it was in Jesus Christ that all the nations of the earth be blessed, which was through Abraham's seed. And I was just like, I said, wow, there it is. The gospel preached to Abraham. What's the gospel message? That Jesus Christ was going to come and that the heathen would believe. The Gentile nations. And he's dealing with Galatia in that way. Look, it's not by works, Galatians. It's by faith, just like it was in Abraham's life. There's where you get your righteousness not by anything that you can do, nothing you can do to merit it, physical circumcision or otherwise, keeping the law, it's not that. It's the call, Abram. Abram. Now whether he answered yes, Lord, I don't know. But Abraham got the word from the Lord. And he acted upon it in obedience. And again, that was preached all this morning. Obedience to the gospel message. God could have said, Abram, I'm going to, and we just read the promise. If you go, get out of this country to a land where I'll show you. I'll make you a great nation. And that's conditional, just like Brother Chris said. If you will, leave and go, then I will bless or make thee a great nation, bless thee, make thy name great. So when, the, when he acted upon the, the message, that gospel message, and it, it was a gospel message going to Galatians, when he acted upon the gospel message, then he was, it was counted unto him for righteousness, but it wasn't until he obeyed. He could have got the message and never left. And if he'd have never left, then he would have never been blessed. 
in all those ways. He had to respond to the message of God. He had to enact a faith. So let's look at the next character, if you want, person in the word of God. Abraham, again, was not looking for God. God just came in grace. Acts chapter number 10. Acts chapter 10, verse number 1, And a certain man, there was a certain man, there was a certain man, in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band. Key words here, he was a devout man. A devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He was practicing religion. A heathen, a Gentile, that was practicing religion. He gave of his money. He prayed always. He was devout. That means devoted to his religion. He feared God, the Bible says. Verse number 3, he saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius... And he looked on him and was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? <laughs> and he said unto him, Thy prayers and thine alms are come up for a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa and call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodges with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. So we won't go into all the story about the sheet and him sending and him coming and him coming there. So we're going to jump down to verse number 34. <laughs> Then Peter, so he's in Cornelius' house. Cornelius had actually bowed down to him. He said, don't do that. Verse number 34, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, parentheses, he is Lord of all through the law, beyond Calvary, to the heathen. Hallelujah. He's Lord of all. Peter's seeing this for the first time. He's Lord of all. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all these things, which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they slew and hanged on a tree. Him God raised up the third day and showed him openly, not to all the people, but unto witnesses chosen before God, even to us, who did eat and drink with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach unto the people and to testify that it is he which was ordained of God to be the judge of the quick and dead, to give him all the prophets witness that through his name whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. While Peter yet spake these words, spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word because... 
that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues, that is, natural languages, and tongues were for a sign to who? The Jewish people. Tongues are, for, tongues are for a sign to the Jews, and Peter was a Jew, and those that was with Peter were Jews, and they needed to see that. So they knew it was God. They began to speak with tongues. Let's see where we at. And magnify God. Rewind. Back up. Uh, okay, there we go. While, it goes for 44. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them, on all of them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Note, where does baptism happen? After salvation. After you receive the Holy Ghost. After you're born again. Not before. And that's confusion. Oh, just dunk me in the water and my sins will be washed away. It don't work that way. What saves you? Faith. Abraham <laughs> believed. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. He believed. For God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's where eternal life comes. And this came to a man that was seeking God, that was serving God. With his money, he was serving God. He was serving God in his practice, his prayer life, his supplications. So <laughs> he was serving God that way. He, he was a devout man, and he was going through a religious motion, but he did not know God as his Savior. Not until Peter came and preached unto him who? Jesus Christ. So there's where I think somebody this morning... They had a form of godliness, but denied the power thereof. They go through the motions of religion. They come, they put the money in the offering plate, they listen to the preaching, they might even say amen and so on and so forth, and they go through the motions just like Cornelius, but they do not know God. Or, like we said this morning, I had to laugh. They just don't know. They just don't know. They just don't know. The preachers that come through and Brother, Brother Hodden said, had a head knowledge but not a heart knowledge. I said, doesn't that, that sound familiar? Amen. And Sister Jennifer's testimony, I can still, I still see her today right there at the old place. And I'm standing here and she's just still on her knees. She testified. She had a head knowledge and a profession when she was younger. Had a head knowledge, but not a heart knowledge. And like Brother Glenn says, most people are going to miss heaven by about 18 inches. They believe God here, but with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Just like Abraham. It was counted unto him for righteousness. What? Because he believed the gospel. The gospel 
before the law, according to Galatians. Yes. That, that the seed Jesus Christ was going to come through Abraham's seed, who at that time had a wife and no kids and was 75 years old. And then when he was 100, he finally had one. Well, I see, a little bit before. And Ishmael. That was one of them sidetracks. We all get off. But then God put him back in the right track, and he had Isaac. But still yet going, the sand of the sea, Lord, the stars of the sky, I'm supposed to have that many in one? Yes, you are. And he believed him. And it was accounted in the end for righteousness because he believed that the seed, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, would come through Abraham's lineage. <laughs> so that makes that makes Hebrews uh, six one Hebrews. That makes that even the more no, not six. That makes Hebrews eleven. Yeah, eleven one even the more understanding. Now faith we preach it this way, but going back to Galatians three, I'm like. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. There's where all the Old Testament saints, that's where they had, at Abraham, Abram had to deal. He was hoping. He was, he was believing in the promise of the seed coming through his lineage. And all through the Old Testament, as, as we hear of the uh, Messianic prophecies, the Messianic Psalms, all pointing to Jesus Christ, people look forward to that. So then faith, or now faith is the substance of things hoped for. That's everybody in the Old Testament looking forward. And then we in the New Testament, <laughs> and the evidence of things not seen. Have we ever seen Jesus Christ in person? No. Have we ever laid our eyes on the nail prints in his hand? No. Have we ever seen the, no, but by faith we have. By faith we see him hanging on the cross. By faith we see him scourged before he went to the cross. By faith we see him cry out, My God, my God, why hast uh, thou forsaken me? He cry out, It is finished. By faith, when they went to break their legs, we see the he was already had given up the ghost and the soldier piercing his side. By faith, we see him laying, laying in the tomb and seal it. By faith, we see him raise up the third day. The evidence, there's evidences of that. Yes, there's evidences of all that in history and in the Word of God and witnesses that testified, we have seen him. Just like Peter preached to Cornelius, a devout religious man going through the motions of a form of godliness, but they didn't know Jesus Christ. And then we see here in Acts chapter 8, turn back two pages. The Ethiopian eunuch. Very, very similar to um, Cornelius. Acts chapter 8, verse number 26. <clears throat> And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, 
and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, one of them heathens, one of them Gentiles, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, and eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure and had, did what? Come to Jerusalem to worship. This is not, this is not only Cornelius didn't say he was practicing Judaism. He didn't say anything about Jerusalem. He was just a devout man. He prayed and gave alms. I don't know, maybe he heard of the Jewish God. I'm not sure. It doesn't say. But the Ethiopian eunuch was gone to Jerusalem. So he was seeking the Jewish religion, seeking the Jewish worship as he's gone to Jerusalem to worship. He was returning from Jerusalem, worshiping at Jerusalem, because there was a comma there, Verse 27, he was, re, uh, was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit uh, said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. Acts 8.32 the place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a dumb lamb, I'm sorry, like a lamb dumb before his shearer, so opened he not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee, of whom speaketh, speakest the prophet this, of himself or some other man? <clears throat> then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. Woo. And as they went on their way, they came to a certain water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? And Philip said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still and they went down both into the water, both the Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught him away, or caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way rejoicing. Again, when did baptism take place? After believing. We was in a discussion with Brother Hodnett back in the back. Or maybe he said it here. Some of these denial. I love that illustration on denominations. That's just good stuff. Not saying that there are not there. Are some non. There's not believers in some of these other denominations. Probably less now in some of these other denominations than there used to be because old time. Some of these other than Baptists preached the gospel, but like he said, I and. Don't crucify me. And again, I was led, I prayed, and, and God gave me, God and my pastor 
I'll clarify that too, gave me permission to preach in two Methodist churches on one Sunday morning, filling in for a Methodist preacher. <laughs> when the Methodist preacher, pastor, he was pastoring two churches, one man pastoring two churches. <clears throat> He'd go in the same little town. It'd be like, okay, we're kind of in the rural area, let's say, here in Midwest City, that distance apart. So up inside the city, let's say, let's say Soldier Creek, they had the nice building. But then out here, we had the cemetery where Grandma and Grandpa was buried. So there's two congregations without a pastor in the same general locale. And so they wouldn't merge because the city church didn't want to give up their nice building and the country church didn't want to give up Grandma and Grandpa buried out here in the yard. <laughs> so... They would come together sometimes on the Wednesday night services, but on Sunday morning, they wouldn't. They just wouldn't join together. So this one pastor would preach in the country church his message for the morning, and then he would drive to the city church, and they would have their Sunday school. But while he was preaching his message at the country church, the city church was having their Sunday school, and he'd make it there in time to preach church. So I did that one time with God's permission and my pastor's permission. But when I, I told the, the preacher, that he asked me, he goes, because he said, and it was one of those deals, he asked me, and I'm like, dumbfounded. I'm like, Lord, are you in this kind of sort of thing? And he, he done said, look, I know you're Baptist. You preach whatever God puts on you to preach. But when Brother Hodden talked about that, um, Apostles' Creed, in their worship, especially down at the city church, in their worship, at one juncture of their worship, they turned into their, their hymnals, and somewhere in the back was printed off this little Apostle Creed, and I was just reading it as they was going through it. And uh, sure enough, it said, like he said this morning, it said that they were, you know... Uh, basically still connected with the Holy Catholic Church. Catholic means, um, what does Catholic mean? Universal, yeah, universal. So how much of a denomination that they still hang on to the, to the Catholic Church, there's where it, it gets to. But he get no, no holds barred. And I appreciated that about him. But so the old-time Methodist or whatever used to, even though they would go through their little whatever, but they used to preach, you know, by grace through faith. And that pastor still preached by grace through faith. And I said, well, what about infant baptism? And, he's, and we, we had that discussion. We discussed infant baptism. He said, I was baptized as an infant, sprinkled as an infant and whatever. And the way that he explained it in is that that was a, uh, a uh, promise by the parents to raise their children toward salvation. He said, after I got saved, the pastor talking, this Methodist pastor, he said, after I got saved, he goes, I've been immersed. Fully dunked. So, but again, after he saved. So, 
So there are, they may be, but like I said, if you're going to go, go first class, be a Baptist. <laughs> but it goes back to Bible doctrine. If they err in one area, they're probably going to err in a lot of more areas. And, and that's what Brother Hodnett was pointing out today. Look, you know, Bible doctrine should be Baptist doctrine. Whatever doctrine lines up the most closest to the Bible, that's where you ought to be. And so Cornelius was worshiping. The Ethiopian eunuch went to, to Jerusalem to worship. He was uh, Cornelius, a devout man, prayed, gave alms. And, and the Ethiopian eunuch journeyed, <laughs> to go with our title, went to Jerusalem to worship from Ethiopia. What kind of a journey was that? But he didn't know Jesus. He worshipped in Jerusalem, got some scriptures, and on his way back was reading them. And God sent him a man to declare unto him the gospel. Amen. And I appreciate how it said it there. I appreciate this scripture here. Oh, where is it? There it is. Uh-huh. Absolutely. For sure. Well, let's just pick it up there. We always know it. Uh, For the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. That's where we've been at tonight. The heathens can get in. Woo! The Gentile people can get in. And then it says, uh, For the same Lord, uh, the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? The Ethiopian Union hadn't heard. He could read it, but he didn't understand it. And it wasn't until God touched Philip to go. Join yourself with him. Oh, he's reading the scripture. Is he talking about the prophet himself or some other? Oh, let me help you out there. And he took the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. What doth hinder me to be baptized? You have to believe. I'm paraphrasing. Well, let's just read it. Uh, yeah. What doth, and Jesus said, If thou believest with all thine heart, thou mayest. And he answered. Here's what he said. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. How, how, shall, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah, Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed thy report? So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Cornelius had to have a preacher. Cornelius, I've seen your almsgiving. I've seen that you're a devoted man, but you need a preacher. Go and send for Peter. Philip, (laughs) leave Samaria, go down to the desert. 
He gets down there. Oh, there's a chariot over there. Go join yourself with him. Understand what thou readest? How can I? So God sent him a preacher. They had, they had worship. He had just worshipped. He was given, Cornelius was given psalms. Cornelius prayed. He had the word. He had Isaiah. The, the Ethiopian eunuch had the word. They, had, they were doing all that. And they had the word. They were given alms. They were praying. But they didn't know Jesus. Until the preacher come by and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Or, or like Peter said to Cornelius, he said, um, I mean, I think it was before here in, in Acts 10, right before the place where we took up reading here. Let's see, that was 34. Uh, let's see. Yeah. Immediately, therefore, I sent to thee, and thou hast come, and thou hast well done that thou art come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. Then Peter opened his mouth. So we want to hear from God. We're here. We sent. You're here. We're ready to listen. And then God, and then through Peter, God gave Cornelius and all that was in the house the gospel that Jesus died for our sins according to the scripture, was buried and raised again the third day according to the scripture, and that he was seen of witnesses. He gave them that. He talked about his good works. John chapter 14. If you can't believe me, I'm paraphrasing, if you can't believe me for my words' sake, believe me for my works' sake. Just like the disciples, when he stilled the waves and he calmed the storm, and they're in the back going, what manner of man is this? <laughs> that even the winds and the seas obey him. Woo! The works say, declare that he's God. So, whether it's Abraham who wasn't looking for God, or whether it's Cornelius, who was actively participating in some form of worship, a devout, devoted man, a good man, apparently a clean man. I mean, as far as life goes, moral man. But that wasn't going to get him to heaven. Like it was the Ethiopian unit who went and he worshiped and he had the scriptures. But he didn't understand what he read until the preacher come and pointed it out. They were all on a journey. Abraham began his journey at the call, at the command. There we go, at the command of God. Go. And if you'll go, I will bless and so on and so forth. And he believed him. I believe at 75 years old... <laughs> with a wife and no children, that, that all the nations, all the families, because back then we're coming just out of Babylon and Babel, and it talked about the families, 
all the families of the earth will be blessed. And he believed God. And it was counted unto him for righteousness. And we're sitting here, those of us who are saved, sitting here saved today are, are a fulfillment of that promise. So Abraham was called and began his journey. Apparently these other two men, well, one was Peter journeyed him, but, but as far as a, a journey, the Ethiopian union actually journeyed to Jerusalem from Ethiopia and was journeyed and was headed back. And it's happened with different folks, different ways. Some in our young lives, you know, I was in the fact of my childhood turmoil, I had a grandmother, a nana. I had a nana who was devout, a devout woman. And when mama was having to work at the hospital or at the nursing home in the early years, nana kept us in church. And when the drunken stepdad moved into the house, Nana's house. Nana said, ain't none of that going to be going on in my house. If you're going to drink, you ain't going to do it in this house. So he had to go right around on the weekends if he was going to do any drinking. He wanted to bring a deck of cards to Nana's house. They said, ain't no deck of cards coming in my house. I had that kind of grandmother. And she kept me under the gospel. She kept being an example before me. And she prayed. I'd come in as an early teenager. She goes to bed early. She had her little routine like we all do. She had her little routine. You'd hear her, you know, going in the bathroom, gargling with Listerine, <laughs> doing her little nightly routine. And then before she got in the bed, she'd get down next to her bed and she prayed. And there's, I come in the front door, immediately there was her bedroom. And I would look in there and see her a kneeling figure on her knees and hear my name being called out. So my journey, here, we can go around the room. I was here, I was an adult when I got saved. I was 14 when I got saved. I was this when I got saved. I had lived in the dens of iniquity. I had, you know... You know, a good life, maybe sought riches. I mean, there's so many different quests, journeys that we all take in life. But there has to be one event that we all share if we are a child of God. One that like Abraham, God called, God speaks to and says... I want you to come. And then an act of obedience in faith to God's command. We all share that. We have to share that. If you're a child of God, you will share that. So regardless of how we all started off and what has happened into our life prior to salvation... There came a time when the preacher got up and declared unto us the gospel. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by him.
And then through that gospel message, the Holy Spirit says, he's talking to you. I'm talking to you. You're that guilty sinner that I'm talking to. And like Abraham, you have to say, yes, I am. (laughs) And I have made a way. I have paid the price for the remission of your sins in my son shedding his blood on the cross of Calvary and in believing that gospel message and repenting of your sins and believing that gospel message, you then are transformed. Abram became Abraham. He was new. Sarai became Sarah. Saul became Paul. Uh, Cephas... (laughs) Became Peter. There was new names given. They had a new walk. They had a new talk. Just as Peter was warming himself by the fire, they said, oh, I know you're one of him. You're one of his disciples. Who, me? Yeah, your speech. (laughs) It betrayeth thee. You talk differently. You walk differently. I've seen you down at the church house. (laughs) Who, me? There's something different about you. And there will be something different about you after salvation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You become a new creature. You're born again. Experience a a spiritual birth, which puts you into the family of God. So maybe you're looking. Maybe you're worshiping. Maybe you're praying. Maybe you're giving of your alms. Maybe you're reading your word. But there's never been a change. And maybe, just maybe, that in other services or in tonight's service, the Holy Spirit is saying, I sent you the preacher. He's preached you the message. I'm calling upon you. And he squeezes that heart, saying, you're right. He's right. I'm guilty. Then believe. Put your faith, not this faith, this faith. Your faith in Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior as the penalty for your sins. I stand guilty, but I accept your payment and your sacrifice for my sins. There's no certain prayer. It's belief. With the heart, man believeth unto righteousness. Abraham believed unto righteousness, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That's it. So as the pianist and Brother Tim comes, if the Lord's spoken to you, then come. Come.